Please stand for the hearing of the gospel. This is from the gospel according to St. Matthew from the 17th chapter. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> when you hear those two amazing and mysterious stories today about Moses on Mount Sinai and Jesus on the Mountain of Transfiguration, I wonder how you hear them or react to them. There are a lot of adults I know who would hear stories like this and say, that's exactly why I don't put any stock in the Bible. <laughs> because it expects me to believe things that are ridiculous or things that, that just don't reflect the way things normally happen in life. Like people who read every part of the Bible literally, they think that every story has to have a rational, scientific dimension to it in order for it to be true. And that may be a struggle for many people today, but I don't think Matthew's Jewish audience was put off by this at all. Because for them, stories like these were packed with things that had symbolic meaning for them. As soon as they heard those clues, mountain, clouds, dazzling light, voice from heaven, commandment, all of these things were typical elements in a form of, of biblical storytelling that we now often call theophany, which just means the revealing or the showing forth of God. And two of the best examples that Jewish people would have been very familiar with of this uh, from their own scripture at the time would have been that story of Moses on Mount Sinai and also of Elijah on Mount Horeb. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to connect the dots when you hear this story of Jesus on the mountain today to see the striking similarities of all of these three stories where now Jesus too, like Moses and like Elijah, is on a mountain in the clouds with dazzling light, with a voice coming from heaven and where a commandment again is heard. To me, it just seems clear that this is another 
theophany, another story where God is showing us who God is. And the only way to really appreciate that, I think, is to let ourselves get caught up in that mystery and in the wonder of stories like this in ways that unlock our imagination and stimulate our thinking, broaden us, think about God perhaps and ourselves in bigger ways. And if we do that, it's not that we're going to come up with some crystal clear understanding of God that we leave here with today, but I do think it would lead us again to say what Peter said in that kind of encounter, which is, Lord, it is good to be here. There are many ways to interpret those words of Peter, I guess, especially the intent of them. What did he mean by that? I happen to think that Peter was actually talking about the discovery right then and there of a reality that was so much greater than his own an experience that transported him from that tiny little moment in time, from that little corner of the world and from his life lived in that little space and connected him to a bigger reality that transcended all of that. And that attraction, I think, is easy for us to understand because as human beings, it's something that all of us long for in one way or another. No matter how content we are, with life, there's always a question that the human spirit seems to call forth, which asks, is this all there is? Is my daily rhythm of rising and eating and working and resting and sleeping and doing it all over again, is that really all there is to life? And when this body that I nourish shuts down, or when it is shut down by some other force, is that all there is to me? Is the physical world that I can touch and see and experience really all there is to connect with as a flesh and blood creature bound by time and space? I think we all live with questions like these in one form or another. And I know from all of the testimonies that people have shared with me over the years that even this room today is filled with people who've had both subtle and sometimes very remarkable experiences that address those questions. Our scientific, rational brains might, know what, might not know what to do with these experiences, but that doesn't make them any less true perhaps just as this story we heard today. From what people have told me so often in Faith Journey or in many of the gatherings that we have or when I've been with them in their homes or hospitals, etc., people have told me how they have experienced God in ways that to me are wonderful and mysterious. Among us today, who, there are people who have clearly hear, heard a voice. You might be one of them at one time in your life. A voice coming out of somewhere that encourages you or strengthens you or upholds you. And among us, there are many people today who would describe what they would consider very intimate experiences of communion with people who have died before them who, or beloved to them. And I know that... Even people who have nothing to do with church here in the Pacific Northwest 
have known what it's like to be on a mountain, to feel your, your soul just expanded to something so much bigger, or to stand at the foot of ancient trees that have been there for thousands of years and recognize the reality of, of, a, of something so beautiful and something that surpasses anything you can see and understand. And sometimes it's in very, very earthy things as well. Among us, there are people who have been present at childbirth, perhaps you even as a mother or others beside you, and have experienced the sacred at that moment of something so much bigger than what is right there before you. Or many of you have been with people at the time that they've died, and you've maybe even stood by them or held their hand, uh, and you know what it's like to have that sense of connection to something so much bigger. Those aren't things that occur every day. In fact, they may only come in fleeting glimpses. But they help us to see, I think, what Peter was so drawn to, why he was so content and why he said, Lord, it is good to be right here in this place. The risk, I guess, is that we'll start to think that experiences like that are really the only true ways to encounter God that we can hope for in our earthly existence, in our walk of faith. And when that happens, we can also assume that those kind of experiences are really all there is to God, that God is much more about that spiritual connectedness beyond the earthy, tangible stuff of everyday life. And if that's the place that you come to, then it helps to remember how God is being made known on other mountains even, throughout the stories that are told before this one and after this one in our Sunday readings. For many weeks now during Epiphany, we have been hearing the very earthy and practical teaching of Jesus from a mountain. And as you might recall, in his Sermon on the Mount that we've heard for many weeks, Jesus looked at those people who had come with him to a high place. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, he said, for they will be comforted. And even blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there may be times in your life when God's glory is revealed in some kind of wonderful or mysterious way, but you can also count on God showing up for you when your spirit is crushed, when you're dealing with loss or sickness, or when you're being put to the test, there too, from what people have told me in so many different ways, there too you will experience who God truly is, the identity and the loving expression of God, because there too is this encounter that is meaningful and real. And I've heard that so many times in ways that have bolstered my faith. And I would say that there too is where I've so often seen what I would call the transfiguration of people. <laughs> when you discover God with you in that way, uh, in maybe even an unexpected way, meeting you right where you are, I've seen how people's whole composure is 
changed. I remember some years ago uh, visiting with a friend uh, who was going through a, a really difficult time in her life with one, of, with one of her daughters. And I was with her in the evening and she was just very sad and anxious and I, I, I just absorbed all of that. And I went home and I didn't sleep well at all that night. And when I went to meet her the next morning, I expected that that would still be the case for her too. But when I saw her, her whole countenance had changed. Her face was different. It was actually bright as she spoke to me. And I, I asked her, what happened from last night until now? Nothing had changed. Her daughter was still in the same circumstances. She said, I was, I was telling God how I could not handle this. And then right there where I was sitting, I felt this peace just wash over me. And I have had that in my heart even as I woke up this morning. That's the kind of presence of God that is also talked about in so many of the other mountain stories that occur around this one in the Gospel of Matthew. And it helps to look at those, to see how God meets us where we are in our place of need. The story that Matthew tells right before this one um, this more mysterious story is a story where we see the power of Jesus' healing touch. Matthew says that Jesus went up to a, another mountain, probably expecting to get some rest, and that they brought all kinds of, of people with, with sickness to him. Matthew says that there on that mountain, they brought all these people to the feet of Jesus. The lame, the maimed, the blind the mute, and many others. And then, according to that story, Jesus took time with every one of them to cure them so that the crowd was amazed when they saw the mute speaking and the, the maimed whole, the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they praised God for that wonderful and glorious act. And then on that same mountain where God's healing power was being made known in that way, Jesus looked out at the whole crowd of people and saw something else. He saw they were all hungry. They had physical hunger pains that he had compassion for. And so Matthew says, Jesus fed the entire crowd. He says there were at least 4,000 men, not counting the women and children. There wasn't dazzling light. There wasn't a voice coming out of heaven. There wasn't this, crowd, this great cloud of mystery, but there was God's awesome power at work, revealing God, revealing the compassionate heart of God for all people in all times and places who are hungry or needy or vulnerable in any way. And that leads me back to the, the one phrase from this gospel story today, that seems to just hold it all together for me. Out of that amazing, more mysterious, transcendent revelation of God that was happening, Matthew says that Jesus reached out, out of all of that, that Jesus reached out and physically touched his disciples who were standing there in awe and in fear. And when I hear that, I liken it to the the thin space that Irish people often refer to 
which they think of as the space that sometimes we find ourselves in where the transcendence of God intersects with our earthly existence and we, we sense the, the truth of both of those realities together. And I liken that too to experiences that I had just this past week. Experiences on two occasions of holding hands and praying together with members of our congregation who are in hospice care right now. And what made those moments so powerful for me was the sense really of heaven and earth being joined together. There was the intimacy of human touch, but also the mystery of divine presence. And we needed both of those. It would have been incomplete without either one of those to sense the revelation of who God is and was for us at that time and for them. And I felt the same way this past week when I held hands and prayed with uh, one of our young adults who's very dear to me. What we both needed was the experience of being one with each other in a time of need for her, but also the assurance that we were being held in a power much greater than our own. It just that it wasn't just something we were going to solve there by being together. And again, both were important. Both were so important to how we came to sense and feel God with us and within us. And in the end, perhaps that is what all of us want and need in our daily walk with God and with each other, to have those two realities brought together. And that's the promise that I hear in our gospel story today. It's the promise that Jesus Christ is the one that holds all of that together for us. Not just in some fleeting moments now and then, but in every time and in every place where Christ makes God known to us. So as you leave today in whatever joys or struggles or fears that you face, May the assurance of that promise be what holds you and what also fills you with hope this day. And my hope is too that it will cause you to be transfigured, to shine like the sun with this light of Christ that is given to all of us in grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you have any prayer cards, just hold them up and the ushers will collect them. <laughs>